What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's All Nuts Are Off podcast. I'm Tom Eisenberg. Matthew Wadley is still not back with us, but he will hopefully be returning soon. Uh, let's catch up on the playoffs, right? It's been uh, been a week since we last talked, and boy, have a lot of things changed. Uh, first of all, right, the Clippers, they beat the Jazz, despite losing Kawhi Leonard. I thought when Kawhi Leonard went out, I thought the Clippers' hopes for making the conference finals were done. I was like, wow, they are actually cursed. They have a great shot at like winning this series against this uh, fraudulent Jazz team, and you lose your best player, you're fucked. Like, Mike Conley's coming back, like it's over. And they pulled through. Paul George came out huge in Game 5, and then Terrence Mann came out huge in Game 6. And now they're in their first conference finals ever. So congratulations, Clippers. Uh, I think it's going to end for you here, unless Kawhi can return and be back to his normal self. But he's already out for Game 3. You're already down 2-0. Uh, I, I think this is the end for you guys. But it was a really good season. Uh, you should be proud. It was actually the best season in Clippers franchise history, as uh, pathetic as that may seem. Getting swept in the conference finals would still be their best season ever because they never made it before. Paul George, he got a lot of flack for those two missed free throws at the end of Game 2, which lost them the game. He was pretty bad the whole game, other than uh, a couple of big shots he hit at the end of the fourth quarter. But I want to give Paul George some credit because what we saw last year was not the player that he really is. Because Paul George, like, he's not he's not Kawhi, right? Like, he's not going to be, like, a playoff god. But he's also not terrible. Like, all those, like, really bad games he had where he'd have, like, 13 points and, like, 20 shots and stuff like that. That wasn't Paul George either. He's somewhere in between. He's, a, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. And he's a really good player. He's just not, like, one of those, like, can be your best player on a title team. I think he can be your second best player. Uh, I think your best player needs to be pretty damn great. Like, this Clippers team, if Kawhi was healthy right now, I'd probably pick them to win the title. I, I think they're good enough to win a championship. What's weird to me about this team, though, is all of their role players, besides, like, Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris, are just shooting, like, crazy percentages from three. Those two are shooting that, too. But they've they've shot well in the past. And then the rest of their team is just, like, all shooting career highs. It's super weird. Like, I don't get how all of a sudden everyone on the Clippers is Clay Thompson. I didn't think it was sustainable, but it, it just keeps happening. So I just want, I don't know what to think. Like Kawhi shot 40% from three. That's a little bit above his norm. Paul George shot 41%. Also, that's not crazy. Batum, 40% from three. He's never shot 40% from three on a high volume. No, he did once. Over 37 games in a sophomore year. But like generally, he's a career 36%er. Like that's weird. Um, Who else? Oh, uh, yeah, Marcus Morris, we established he shot well. 47% from three, that is crazy. Reggie Jackson, 43% from three. He was never a good shooter. Like, I don't understand how all of these role players are magically amazing shooters. Reggie Jackson had never shot over 40% from three before this. Now, 43%? Like, what the fuck? Patrick Beverly, 40%. I think he's done that before. Um, Serge Bach actually shot pretty poorly, 34%. Luke Kennard, 45%. Terrence Mann, 42%. Like, what? Boogie, 42%. Rondo, 43%. Yeah, they just had crazy absurd shooting. And it's really why they're here. You know? Like, a lot of other teams, right? You can't... Like, Kawhi missed multiple games. And the Clippers won multiple playoff games without Kawhi Leonard. Can you imagine another team losing their best player and then winning multiple playoff games? It's ridiculous. Like, they're shooting that well. The Nets lost uh, Kyrie... And then even after that, they only won one game, you know? And, like, that was supposed to be, like, a great offensive team, and it was. 
But like this Clipper shooting is ridiculous, just ridiculous. And it's uh, well, honestly, still keeps them in it, right? They, they could still, even without Kawhi, right? Like they could still like pull out this finals. I don't, I don't think so. But it's not over uh, unless they lose Game Three tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday morning, so the most recent game was actually the Bucks Hawks. I guess I'll go there right now. And woo, Trey Young, Trey Young. I I've always been on the trade train ever since he was at Oklahoma. I remember I tweeted uh, my top five prospects. Uh, let me see if I can actually find that tweet. But I'm pretty proud of that. I think I had it was some order of it was like Luca, Trey, Mo Bamba, Aiton, Michael Porter Jr. I think those were my five. And uh, Mo Bamba, that part didn't age well. But the other four, I think those are probably uh, like you know arguably the top four players in the you know Luca, Trey, Aiton for sure. And Michael Porter Jr., he's up there. But I think uh, SGA, he's also from that draft class. Right? Is he 2018? Yeah, he's 2018. There's some other players I'm probably missing. But it's a good draft class. Anyway, Trey Young, oh my god. He's so, so good. You know how many players have averaged 30 points and 10 assists through 13 playoff games in the NBA? It, through In the playoffs in 13 games or more? Nobody. Only Trey Young. It's unbelievable. Like 30 and 10, right? You'd think someone would have done it like LeBron, Oscar Robertson. Uh, but no. Jerry West, no. Crazy. Trey Young, like, because he's so small, usually the small players, they don't tend to last that long in the playoffs, right? By the time you get to, like, the conference finals, like, you really struggle. And maybe he'll, you know, get destroyed the next four games or something. But he's already proven enough to me. Like, this, he's a playoff guy. He's legit. Chris Paul, Trey Young, like, very rare, like, players that small can be successful in the playoffs. Because usually, right, you get, like, Kemba Walker or... Uh, uh, Damian Lillard, he was really good this year, but he usually struggles. He's even he's on the bigger side too. He's bigger than that. Man, I can't wait. Like Trey Young, like, his scoring is elite, his playmaking is elite, and his defense is not good. But like it hasn't really been a problem. It doesn't feel like he's just been getting like exposed on that end at all, which is shocking. Maybe one day Trey Young can become a net neutral defender for his size. Then I mean, man, then the Hawks would be super dangerous. They're still dangerous. They don't even have DeAndre Hunter. Like they beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. I'm very impressed. I know, like, the Bucks, like, they're kind of – it's easy to make fun of them, and their offense can be really stagnant, and, like, their talent is great, but, like, they kind of tend to underperform all the time. Even beating that Nets series in seven, like, felt like an underperformance just because the Nets were so injured. It was like, why did it Why did it have to go to game seven overtime? You know, once Kyrie went down and James Harden was a shell of himself, it should have been over in six games. They just should have. They shouldn't have lost game five, but they did. Uh, anyway, though – uh, I do think the Bucks are going to pull out this series. Like, the Hawks, like, it took tr- a huge Trae Young game for them to barely pull this out. And Middleton was trash. So, I just don't... I don't really see the Hawks winning this series. I do think they can win more games, right? This could go six or seven games. But I just don't... I, I don't... I don't... I don't believe, you know? I didn't believe in them against Philly either. You know, I was like, oh, if Embiid is playing, Philly's going to win. And Philly choked. But I think Milwaukee's better than Philly. And that one was still super close. So... I am going to take the Bucks in the series. Uh, I don't know how many games. That's that's kind of difficult. I'm not going to put a games number on. I always get that wrong anyway, the games part. Whew. Trey Young, though. Like, legit. This, he's definitely a top five point guard, as long as you're not counting Luka, LeBron, and Harden. Although, no, Luka's definitely a point guard. LeBron is a small forward. Harden's a shooting guard. Let me do this. So, the top five point guards, right? We got Steph, and then Luka, and then Dame. That's three. <sighs> 
and then maybe I'll put Kyrie, and I think I'll put Trey Young number five. I think that's fair, right? Maybe even Trey Young over Kyrie, but that's tougher. I'll, I'll stick with Trey Young at five right now. I think he's, I think he just, I think he's that good. I think he's better than Chris Paul at this stage. Like I just, I'm in awe, really, how someone's so small. Like he's, he's basically like my height. You know, he's barely taller than me, and he's doing this. It's unbelievable. Uh, also, I wanted to shout out Kevin Durant. Man, I feel like I've missed so much. I actually went to Game 7, and it was so amazing. Like, Kevin Durant just – you feel like he makes everything, right? And then you look at the box score, and he he shot under 50%. It's like, wow, really? He took 36 shots? It didn't feel like it. Kevin Durant is so, so good. I think he gets overrated in all-time discussions. People like to rank him, like, stupid high. Like, I've seen him, people rank him, like, top 10 and stuff already, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But, man, Durant is such an all-timer. Like, he's so reliable. I remember in OKC, he had a lot of chokes, but... And I thought, right, when... Uh, not Harden. Kyrie went down, I was like, oh, this will show what Durant's really made of, right? Like, he doesn't have, like, a bunch of all-stars next to him. And, and he showed out, right? He was legit. Uh, I think the Nets would have won the title if everyone was healthy because, like, they were just that much better than the Bucks. And now the Bucks might win the title, which goes to show, right, just how good the Nets are. How good Kevin Durant is. Durant is just awesome. Like, you, you can't really defend him, right? There's players who, like break the defense right like lebron's like he did like break the defense right like, dr- like you have a certain strategy and lebron will just like break that he'll just like, drive through everyone and like create passing lanes and like kick it out to shooters and like it just makes you scramble Durant doesn't do any of that stuff he's different he will just play based on what you do like he'll do the exact same thing right it's like oh we're gonna like just shut down the pain like Durant will just shoot over you you know he's not gonna like really change how you defend he'll just score anyway it's kind of weird like, he doesn't actually affect your defense, but he just scores through it anyway. It's like having armor-piercing bullets, right? Like, LeBron, like, he will just, like, destroy, like, the armor, right? He's like a grenade. But then, like, Durant is just, like, a fifty caliber sniper bullet. It just pierces through. I think I think that's a cool uh, comparison between, like, the way, like, they break down defenses. Because I saw this on Reddit or something where someone said that some players, like, break the defense and other players just go through it. Like, you know, because Durant, like, he doesn't affect the structure of the defense, you know? Like, Steph Curry, like, shifts the whole court. Durant doesn't really, like, do that. You know, different superstars, like, affect the defense in different ways. I could get into that in the offseason, but I just, that's just something that came to mind that I think is really interesting about Kevin Durant. Uh, people want to say he's the best in the world now after all those games. And I don't know. I'm, I'm going to wait till the end of the playoffs and maybe I'll make a list. But it's really hard in the moment to make lists like that. Like, you don't want to just be like, oh, this person won the finals MVP. This is the best player. Like, it's a team sport, you know? So it's tough. But I, I know if the Nets had won the title, people would have been like, oh, Kevin Durant, even though, like, his team is super stacked, right? And he obviously couldn't win it by himself. I don't know. It's super hard to judge. I don't like talking about that that much. Uh, I actually kind of skipped over Clippers' Suns. I did say I think the Suns are going to win. Because, like, these games, right, these Suns-Clippers games, they've been really close with uh, the Suns missing Paul and then the Clippers missing Kawhi. And Chris Paul's coming back. He's coming back today. And I just think they're fucked, the Clippers. Because you, could, you d- couldn't you could even beat them without Chris Paul, right? You were really close, but you couldn't do it. And now they're adding, you know, an all-NBA player, and the Clippers are adding nothing. And both in games one and two, the Clippers made seven more threes in each of those games and still lost. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to make seven more threes per game and lose. That's an extra 21 points. I think they've also made more free throws in both games. But I can't confirm that for game two. I have not checked that. 
So I think the Clippers are toast. They have to win this game. This is obviously it's a must win, you know, when you're down 2-0. But yeah, there, there's a there's a pretty good chance that the Suns come out of LA with a finals appearance. Their third one ever. Pop quiz, one of the Suns made the finals before. Most of you can probably name 1993 with Charles Barkley. But the Suns also made the finals in 1976 against the Boston Celtics. A lot of people don't know that. People don't really know a lot about the 70s. That team, I think it was led by Alvin Adams. And uh, was Walter Davis on that team yet? Or was he drafted in 76? He was this amazing shooting guard. Like, great score. Uh, he was kind of Michael Jordan-esque, right? He wasn't, like, that good. But, like, he was that kind of player, right? Like, pull-up middies, like, athletic dunker. Uh, who else was on that team? Charlie Scott, I think he was on that team. He was another great scorer, small point guard. No, he was like six five, wasn't he? I don't remember. My 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 son's seventies son's knowledge is not not the best, but I think it's good enough. I'd, I'd give it like a C plus. Also, <laughs> I love how I just jump around like this. So the reviews are such a problem. Like the Suns Clippers, if you watched Game Two, first of all, the Aiden alley oop. That, was, that wasn't, like, the most important game winner ever. It wasn't the best game winner ever. But it was honestly probably the coolest playoff game winner ever. I haven't seen every playoff game winner. But out of the ones I've seen that I can think of, I can't think of one that was cooler than this. Because, A, it was against the Clippers. Fuck the Clippers. And, B, it was an alley. Like, who does that? Like, the goal. Like, Jay Crowder throws that ball perfectly. And Aiden just dunks it. And then Mike Breen on the call where he's like, oh, he slams it home or something like that. Like, that was unbelievable. I saw when I saw it was 0.9 seconds left. I was like, "The Suns are fucked. What are they gonna do here? Right? You can get a catch and a shoot, but it's gonna be super contested because you have no time. You can't even pump fake." And then like Booker, I was like, "Oh, he can't get free." And all of a sudden, Aiden is just at the rim with the ball in, and I was like, "What just happened?" I had to replay that like over and over again to really get a feel for what happened. It was unbelievable. Such a crazy game winner. People need to appreciate those, right? That's why it's so fun to be in the building or something like that. Also. StatMuse, they tweeted this tweet comparing uh, Aiton's game winner to Anthony Davis's last year. Super freaky how similar these things are. I'll read you guys the tweet. Let me just go find it. Like, man, conference finals game winners. Like, That's how you become a legend, right? Like, the Suns, if they win the title this year, people are going to look back at that Aiton game winner and like, oh, my God. So here, the last two Western Conference finals. Game two, home team down one point, Lakers and Suns. Game winner by a center, Aiton and Anthony Davis. Over a center from the Balkans, Zubots and uh, Nikola Jokic. Scored by number one overall pick. Aiden was number one and AD was number one six years apart. To take a 2-0 lead versus a team that never went to the finals, Clippers and Nuggets. Isn't that crazy? Like, what are the odds for that happening? Like, 0.005% chance? Like, it's just, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um... Yeah, that AD initial part was kind of weird because DeAndre Aiden is like DA. But whatever, I'll, I'll give you guys that. And also, right, when you're looking at the playoffs and like who wins the title, the first thing that like, tends to come up, besides like how much it means for the team, is like you look at the best player and like, oh, how does this affect their legacy and their all-time ranking in the... And I don't want to get to that right now because maybe in the finals when there's only two teams left right now, I don't really know who's going to be in the finals. Like, I don't, I don't want to get into that yet. I think it's too early. Oh, wait, I didn't, get to, I didn't talk about the reviews. That was my whole point. Like, wow, when I went off on that tangent. So the reviews, like the, the last 90 seconds, I think took 33 real-life minutes. And it's like, why? Why do they review everything? I get like there's a lot of things that are generally worth reviewing, but I think there needs to be a certain benefit of the doubt for some, for some plays. 
right? Like when Beverly poked it out of Devin Booker's hands and then they review that stuff, j- throughout the game when you don't review that, it's always just assumed whoever pokes it, it's off them. That's how it needs to be, really. Because if you're initiating that, like it should be off of you. Unless you like poke it and like bounce it off their leg or something. Because obviously, like Booker's hand is gonna touch it last. Like that was that was ridiculous to me. I think those calls are really dumb. Even though technically, right, it did go off Booker, but that's not like the purpose of the call. It was always throughout history, right? Before the reviews, you someone pokes out, it's off them, right? That's the thought, and that's how it should be, really. Because otherwise, in the last two minutes of the game, you just no one said not to do that. You could just dive at the ball, and because like it's going to, it's going to have to touch the dribbler's hand last almost every time. And they're not going to call a reach-in foul, so I think it kind of fucks up the game. And also, the reviews take forever. Um, also, Scott Foster sucks. Like man, like the the calls were ridiculous. Just, uh, yeah, I hate reviews. I get wanting to get the call right, but. Sometimes it's just too much. It really is. Also, when Beverly flopped and they didn't call a foul and then they reviewed it for a flagrant, what do you do? You know. If you're not going to, you don't blow the whistle too late. You fucking missed it. Like, that's like trying to challenge a non-call. That's basically what happened. Ridiculous. Super annoying. Uh, So I was not happy with that, even though that was a really fun game. Next on the agenda, uh, the Kimba Walker trade. So that was also over the weekend. Man, Boston has been going crazy. Like, so much stuff has happened. They hired Ime Udoka yesterday. Uh, I'd share thoughts on it, but I don't have any. I don't know anything about Ime Udoka. I know he was an assistant for the Nets. I've heard good things about him, but I don't know anything about him. Is he going to be a better coach than Brad Stevens was? Probably not. I think Brad Stevens was a really good coach. I'm kind of surprised that Boston wanted to, to get rid of him. I know he's, like, their GM now or president of basketball operations. But maybe that's what he wanted, but... I thought Brad Stevens was one of the, you know, handful of best coaches in the league. So I don't really know if this is going to be an upgrade, but maybe it will be. You never know, right? I'm sure when when Boston hired Brad Stevens and replaced Doc Rivers with him, I was like, what are you doing? And now I feel very differently about Doc Rivers. But yeah, the Kemba Walker trade. So this was a I, – I like this for Boston, right? I think Horford, they needed a big because Thompson wasn't it. Robert Williams is not reliable, and then they, they don't have Tyson anymore. So Horford is going to be a great upgrade there. As long as he doesn't just fall off suddenly, which you never know. I think he's like 34, 35. And Kemba was not it for them. And they gave up the 16th overall pick, which is kind of worthless. I, they should have been trading more picks throughout the years. They So many picks wasted. Like, you have Romeo Langford and Aaron East. Like, why? Why did you not trade those picks earlier? I just don't get it. But for OKC, I don't get this trade. You take on more salary for a, not even a lottery. Like, a 16th overall pick. Like, what are you going to do with that pick, man? You have too many picks! And it's diminishing returns because now, if you only have your own picks, right, a team can only ask you for that many. But because you have all this, right, let's say you want to trade for Carl Towns, Minnesota's going to be like, give us 12 picks. What are you going to do? Say no. They know you have it. They're going to just ask for all the picks you have. So it's dumb. Like, you're not going to draft with all these picks. And most of these picks aren't even going to be lottery picks. They're mostly going to be trash. I don't I don't really like what OKC is doing. People are giving them a lot of praise for really not doing anything. It's like a fucking 2K rebuild. Like, what are you doing, OKC? Super weird trade for them. I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm sure they'll flip Kemba, right? If they get anything good for Kemba, then maybe I'll like it more, but... I don't know, it's weird. I always thought Kemba for Porzingis was what's going to happen, but I guess not. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen with Porzingis now. I mean, maybe they could still do Kemba for Porzingis, but... Yeah, just weird. Super weird stuff. The draft lottery also happened uh, the other day. And the problem with the lottery is uh, 
I'm not, I don't really follow college basketball like that. So I don't really know. Like, I can't be like, oh, blah, 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 can take so-and-so and like, this is like perfect for them. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I know Cade Cunningham is like a consensus number one guy, but I don't know how good he's going to be really. So like Detroit probably will take uh, the top, the top uh, few picks is like this. Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Golden State, Orlando, that's the top eight. That's all that really matters, really. Uh, the other team, nothing nothing really changed. So Orlando got their own pick at five, which sucks for them. And then they got Orla- uh, the Bulls pick at eight, which is great. That was a good trade for them. Golden State got the Timberwolves pick at seven. You know, Minnesota stupidly won games at the end and stupidly traded for D'Angelo Russell. That was a terrible trade. Oklahoma City got fucked, dropped to six. Uh, Detroit got the number one pick, great for them. Toronto jumped up, great for them. Personally, as a fan of a Western Conference team, I'm glad that five of the top or four of the top five picks are Eastern Conference teams because the West keeps winning the lottery and getting, like, really high picks, and I'm tired of it. The East is so trash, they need these picks. So I'm kind of curious to what some of the teams will do. Like, will the Pistons trade down? Will someone trade up? So I think the draft will be fun, but I don't really know. think there's a lot to say. For me, right, I generally, towards the draft, I start reading up on these players, but I'm not – I would never consider myself a draft expert – I don't really, usually I don't make power rankings for players. Sometimes I do. I'm like, oh, I think these are the guys who are going to be good. But drafts are always a crapshoot. And when I talk about it, it's even more of a crapshoot. Because I actually, this is the one area of basketball where I legitimately feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. So I will just leave it at that. Congratulations, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, uh, and Golden State. Those are the people who, you know, had good results in the lottery. Everyone else pretty much got fucked. So, you know, sucks for you guys. Oklahoma City, it's karma. It's karma. That's what it is. That's why you got the sixth overall pick. Chris Paul is coming back for game three. I talked about that. He had COVID. That's so wild. Uh, and Kawhi got hurt. Like, man, th- this season has been so wonky with the injuries. Like, I-, I don't think there's ever been a season with this many injuries. I just can't wait for it to be over. Even though I've really enjoyed the playoffs. Like, hopefully with the fresh season, you know, uh, full off season for most teams. You know, a slightly shorter off season for the other teams. Hopefully, things will be better next year. I saw on Twitter. This is not like a, a worst take, but this is just weird to me, and so I, I had to talk about it. I just had to talk about it. Someone was talking about super teams. Let me find the tweet. Um, here, where someone said that this year, as long as the Clippers don't win it it will mean that two of the past three seasons will have been won by non-super teams, referring to the Raptors and whoever wins this year, that's not the Clippers. And I'm just like, since how are the Lakers or Clippers super teams? And this person tells me super teams equals teaming up. Well, if you're a homegrown team, you're not a super team. In what world does that definition make any sense? Right, look, super team doesn't have a strict definition. So it's it's not, it's not like there's a dictionary like it's this, right? Like how a rebound is getting the ball off of a miss. Right, that that's a strict definition. You can't be like a rebound is an assist. So this isn't like that. But this is very stupid. This is a stupid definition because in reality, what I think a super team people tend to think super teams are is teams that are like overwhelming. You know, like if you have like a big three or more, something like that. Like that's like a super team, right? The KD Warriors super team. Some people think like uh, the the Heatles were a super team. Uh, maybe the Showtime Lakers. Or Larry Celtics, Russell Celtics, Jordan's Bulls. You know, maybe things like that. 
super teams. But this logic is just so dumb. So, so the 2012 OKC, because they were all homegrown, that's not a super team, even though they had like a bunch of all-stars and stuff. But then, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of like a worse team that used trades. The Wizards, right? Where Bradley Beal's like their only home. So because they traded for Russell Westbrook, that's that's a no. Mm. I know, I can think of a better example. There has to be one. The 2019 Celtics, right? It's like Kyrie, Horford, Hayward, whatever. Is that a super team then? That's stupid. No, it's such a stupid definition. And I actually, it actually made me roll my eyes at how super team is not based on how you made your team. It's how good the team is. Okay. And that's, I wanted to rant about this because the person who said, I don't want to call them out because I like them. I like their tweets. But, ah, man, no, just no. Even though there's no strict definition, this definition is stupid. And, I just, I can't believe someone said that with a straight face. If I was still doing worse takes throughout the playoffs, this would be, possibly be up there. Although I've actually seen some really bad takes lately. Speaking of bad takes, uh, someone who's always followed by bad takes is Anthony Davis. I He keeps getting compared, like, negatively to other big men. Like, this happens every playoffs with basically every player, right? If you're eliminated early or you miss the playoffs, you just get mad disrespected. Cat has been crazy disrespected the past couple of years because right like people just forget he exists because he's on the shitty Timberwolves. This happened to Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. It's happening to Anthony Davis right now. He had a really bad year and then he had a pretty bad playoffs because he got injured. The whole time he was just injured. And so people are saying that Joel Embiid's always been better than Anthony Davis. Jokic is better than Anthony Davis. Uh DeAndre Ayton is better than Anthony Davis. Bama DeBio is better than Anthony Davis. Um I actually haven't heard that last one, but it just feels that what people keep saying that. And no, no, Joel Embiid is not better than Anthony Davis. I don't care what he did this season. Joel Embiid this season is like what Anthony Davis did like four times. And even then, Embiid didn't manage to make first-team All-NBA or first-team All-Defense, which Anthony Davis has done four times. No, just no. I, just, I don't want to hear it. Anthony Davis is the best big in basketball. I don't care, all right? He's better than Embiid. He's better than Jokic. He's better than all those other bigs who I don't even want to mention. He's better than Giannis. He's just better than all those guys, okay? Enough. I'm tired of hearing this. I hear this all the time. When he's not even playing, people just like love to disrespect the Lakers. They love to disrespect Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Because people hate the Lakers. People hate LeBron. People hate Anthony Davis. You know, it is what it is. But I'm honestly tired of hearing it. I've been hearing it for so long. And it keeps happening. Like, people really thought the Lakers were going to miss the playoffs with LeBron and Anthony Davis last year. Right before last year, they saw the team. They were like, the rest of this roster is shit. Like, this isn't, like, this team isn't going to be good. They're going to be terrible on defense. Like, blah, 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 blah. You're burning your money if you're betting on them to win the title. Like, I, I saw all of these things. I had so many cold takes. I've posted them before on my Twitter. Uh, I can I can show you. It was so disrespectful. I've never seen a team get disrespected like last year's Lakers was. All year until, like, midseason when people were like, oh, this team is actually good. Like, even when they started off, like, 17-2 or whatever. It was like, oh, easy schedule. Just ridiculous, man. I've never seen a title team get so disrespected. Before and after. It's unfucking believable So predictions, right? I think the Suns are going to win the, the series. I think they're going to go to the finals. I think the Bucks are going to win the series. I think they're going to go to the finals. Uh, it kind of depends on things, though. Right? Like, is Chris Paul going to be Chris Paul? I think he will because it was COVID and it wasn't like an injury. And Kawhi, right? Is he going to come back? I don't know. He was ruled out indefinitely, but then also people are like, 
oh, Kawhi might come back. It's just a knee sprain. Like, he's day-to-day. I don't know. I feel like the Clippers are hiding something. I, I feel like Kawhi's – I feel like the second he was out, he was done. Like, even if this series goes seven and then the finals go seven, right? I just – I can't really see him playing. Um, although, now that I think about it, right, like a game seven of the finals, don't – wouldn't he want to be – I don't know. It's not happening, right? Like, I don't think he's coming back. I think the Clippers are fucked. I think tonight is uh, the end for their se- – but not – well, not technically, but it, it kind of will, right? Like – no team has come back down 3-0. Uh, the Clippers would not come back down 3-0. So it's a must win, and I don't think they will. And then Bucks hawks I know the Hawks stole that one game, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the only game they stole. I feel like a lot had to go their way to barely eke it out. But what this game did tell me is that I think when the game is close, if the game is close at the end, I think the Hawks will win most of those. So the Bucks basically need to beat them earlier because this isn't like a, a net situation where it's just, it's just all Durant and he's going to be exhausted. It's not all Trae Young. Right, yesterday was, but that's a really well-rounded team. Like Capella hit the go-ahead basket. Who would have thought Clint Capella made a playoff go-ahead basket to win a game? Like that's crazy. You would have thought it's an alley oop. Okay, my time is running out because it only lets me record for half an hour at a time. So this has been this week's All Nets Are Off podcast, and we will see you again next week, uh, potentially with a finals preview, depending on what happens. Bye, guys.